Welcome to Basically Tall Tales, the collaborative short story podcast featuring tales you can basically call tall. My name's Todd. I'm Jared. And I'm Adam. Each week, one of our writers will write one-third of a story before handing it off to the next writer to either continue or finish. The first writer will get to choose whatever genre they want to write in, and the other two will just have to deal with it. Today we have a story by me, Todd, with the second part of a story. Make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe for more stories each week, because we're always writing more comedy stories, and your social media interaction keeps us going. Without further ado, here we go. like that. Commander's Log, Star Date, Boobs Day, Spurch 6, 3597. The crew and I were accidentally propelled through an ancient wormhole system that resulted in the consciousnesses and bodies of most of our crew being swapped seemingly arbitrarily. I myself was swapped into the frail and pathetic body of Ensign Jane Twerksome. Jane rolled her eyes at Commander Waddaloop. He noticed, smiled to himself, and continued. With no idea how to return to our original bodies. Because the commander's a moron. Jane interjected. And dwindling supplies. Because the commander's a ding-dong. We had no choice but to accept work. Our client, Mr. Jonas, has asked us to destroy a fleet of Roxafranian ships belonging to his wife, and will pay us 50,000 units compensation. It should be easy work. But the commander's a thick-headed, oafish, lame-brained idiot. Commander Mitch Wadaloop opened his desk drawer to put away his recording device, but he could only half open the drawer before it bumped into the giant breasts he kept forgetting he had. <laughs> he scooted his chair back a bit, opened the drawer all the way, put the recording device inside, and scowled at Ensign Jane. Shouldn't you be at the gym? What are you doing in my quarters? Jane rolled her eyes again. Wondering what you're doing. I'm recording the commander's log. You know you're not in the Navy anymore. You're not required to keep any kind of records. But besides that, I mean, what are you doing accepting work while we're all body-swapped like this? It's insane. Waterloop knew she had a point. It was going to be hard to work efficiently, when it was almost impossible to get anyone to respond to their name, when he couldn't be sure whose consciousness was inside whose body. He bit at his nails unconsciously as he thought. Also, you're going to need to cut that out. I have a feeling you're going to gnaw those things down to the cuticle by the time I get my body back. Jane said, looking at her own hands, the big, meaty mitts that previously belonged to Waterloo. His nails actually looked pretty good, though. What the fuck? You decided to become a nail-biter now that it's my nails you're biting? The commander slammed his tiny fist on the desk and stood, barely coming up to Jane's broad chest, and not looking nearly as intimidating as he'd hoped. He looked at his own square jaw and said, I'm nervous, okay? This is a difficult situation for any of us to adjust to, but I'm somehow supposed to keep it together and lead you, ornery bunch. The plan is we do this job for gas money, get back to our own system, and see if we can't get in touch with Glenn. 
He'll come up with the plans after that. If I may interrupt. The ship's computer said through the speakers in Waterloop's quarters. No, you may not. Fucking AI, bitch. Fucking stupid <laughs> robot. <laughs> Uppity ones and zeros, ass bitch. Defective ass, not a real person, bitch. Yes. <laughs> the computer began to sob. And Waterloop and Jane suddenly remembered that their ship's computer had been swapped with their pilot, Ronnie. And Ronnie's <laughs> consciousness was now in the computer. There was a long silence as Waterloop debated doubling down on the abuse and then pretending like it was a joke. <laughs> we only gaslight the ones we love. <laughs> that was exactly what Waterloop told his ex-wife, too. And she had bought it the first couple times. Jane spared him the awkwardness. I'm sorry, Ronnie. I forgot you were in there. We're all stressed, but that's not really an excuse for our behavior. What did you want to tell us? Ronnie didn't answer immediately, but he did stop crying. Take as long as you need, buddy. Waterloop half-heartedly contributed. Well, Ronnie began. We're approaching our destination, but I share Jane's concerns about our chances of success on this mission. Can I show you some of what the crew is doing at the moment? Fine, Waterloop relented. But before that, do you guys usually talk to the ship's computer like that? The two looked at their feet and mumbled. That's not healthy behavior. Anyways, I'm activating the Hollis screen to show you some of the live feed from around the ship. A blue-tinted projection showed the mess hall, where the engineers Roe and Wilkes were punching themselves in the face. That's actually pretty normal for them, Waterloop said with a nod. Next, they saw into a corridor in the men's dormitory, where Wiggs was chasing Bedge. Bedge had seemingly purchased some lacy women's undergarments at port, and was now running door-to-door, <laughs> -door, shaking his ass at the occupants in some kind of weird attempt to embarrass Wiggs. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I imagine the men's dorm is normally, Jane said with a nod. Next, they were shown the cockpit. It was decorated with streamers and balloons, where a dozen crew members were throwing a party and doing a full weekend at Bernie's with Ronnie's unresponsive body. They took turns picking him up, carrying him around, <laughs> making him dance. They then slumped his body on top of a female crew member and made it look like he was sniffing her hair. <laughs> She laughed and slapped Ronnie's face. Hard from the looks of it. <laughs> Please don't tell me that's normal in any way. Ronnie begged. Waterloop finally got up from his desk and asked Ronnie to patch him through to the public address, or PA system. <laughs> I only wrote that in quotes because I finally just learned what PA stood for. <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I had no idea. I w in school, we always just said the PA system, and I was like, yeah, that's the the thing that they use to call you to the principal's office, but <laughs> I had no idea what PA stood for. I had to look it up. Don't tell me you did. You knew. I did not know. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but now that I read it, it's like, yeah, of course, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> this is Commander Waterloop. Report to stations. Ship is approaching the target's approximate location. Stand by for battle orders. Waterloop pointed to Jane. That goes for you, too. Jane placed both hands in her pockets, rolled her eyes, and said, I'm just a sniper. I don't have a station in the ship battle. Waterloop was looking forward to returning to familiar territory. 
all this business with body swapping and crew management was not what he signed up for when he originally formed this mercenary crew with his partner Glenn. Combat was the easiest part of Waterloop's job. Despite appearances, his mercenary crew were all quite skilled and capable of operating independently. All he had to do was name the targets and tell them when to shoot. Waterloop and Jane returned to the bridge together just as their ship, the Edgelord, dropped out of warp speed. <laughs> yeah, I like that name too. <laughs> the Roxafran fleet hadn't moved since the Edgelord came through the wormhole. Waterloop gave the order to ready weapon systems. As expected upon their arrival at the sector, they were immediately contacted by Captain Spiv of the Reckless Endangerment. <laughs> Waterloop gave the okay. Yeah, Jared named that one. Yeah. I like a lot of these names. Waterloop gave the okay, and the connection was established. The creepy alien face of the Roxafran captain appeared on the telescreen. He looked kind of like a bat, but with two pairs of neon green glowing eyes, large pointed ears, and a flat pig nose. But he was wearing a white captain hat and a bow tie, so he was still pretty cute. Oh, nice. Fancy seeing you again so soon, Commander Waterloop. Are you in need of some further assistance? Spiv asked. Waterloop checked, and weapon systems were only charged at 35%. He would need to stall for time. We've, uh, come back to see what clues we can gather about the wormhole, to see if we could find any way back to our home sector. Waterloop lied. Wormholes are well-documented phenomena. Might I suggest a cursory Google search? <laughs> really? It's amazing how much technology has advanced since our time before we entered the wormhole. The future is amazing. Weapon systems were at 85%. Commander Waterloop, our scanners indicate you're activating your weapon systems. What? That's crazy. Someone must have pressed a wrong button. Someone's getting fired. I have to... I have to fire someone. Weapon systems at 100%. I said... Waterloop turned around and began winking emphatically to his gunners. Fire! <laughs> Phase cannons and photon torpedoes were fired before the Roxafrans even had a chance to activate their shields. Every ship in the Roxafranian fleet, except for the flagship, was destroyed. Captain Spiv was still on the line. The Roxafran raised all four of his arms, took his cute little captain's hat off, and lowered it to his chest. He spoke his next words very slowly. <laughs> Commander Waterloop, my senses indicate that you've completely wiped out my fleet with the overwhelming firepower of your ship. Just take a look out your window and your eyes will confirm that, the commander chided. Their connection to the reckless endangerment was suddenly cut. Everyone give yourselves a pat on the back, Waterloop said to his crew. I think that was the easiest payday we've ever had. The crew erupted into cheers. Some of the crew rushed back from the cockpit carrying Ronnie's limp body again to continue puppeteering him and dancing around <laughs> to bachata music that played through the ship's PA system. Ronnie cut the music off and interrupted the sudden dance party. Commander Waterloop, there's an incoming call. Is there really, or are you just being a party pooper? Ronnie decided to ignore the question and simply patched the call through to the telescreen. A muscular, blonde, bearded man with streaks of gray through his hair and beard appeared on the screen. Congratulations on a job well done, Mitch. 
the man said. Glenn, it's so good to see you. How did you find out where we were? Waterloop raised his hand to wave and smile at his old friend, and was taken <laughs> aback at how small and delicate his hand was. <laughs> he suddenly remembered that his consciousness was still trapped in the body of Ensign Jane. And how did you recognize me? Glenn? Glenn seemed to laugh to himself upon hearing his own name. I'm afraid we won't have much time to talk. You'll be receiving guests shortly. I'm afraid they won't allow us to continue. Though I'd love to catch up and tell you all about how I've been getting on since I rammed you into that wormhole seven years ago. We'll have to do that if you ever get out. Bye for now. And just like that, Glenn hung up. The guests he had spoken of arrived almost as soon as the call ended. Our transporter platform is being forcibly activated from outside. Ronnie tried to warn the crew, but it was too late. A squad of heavily armed men instantly appeared on the transporter. Freeze! This is the police! The officer then fired a warning shot into Ronnie's limp and now lifeless body. Waterloop was able to relax a bit, seeing that all the police officers were human like him. He put on a wide smile, mustered up all of his charm, and said, Officers, at ease. We're a legitimate mercenary group, and you've caught us celebrating our recently completed job. Ah, uh, I thought he was going to say, Officers, please, we're white. Yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> The officer cracked Waterloop over the head with the butt of his rifle and shouted, You are under arrest for the destruction of the Roxafranian fleet and the murder of Roxafranian missionaries who were aboard. Jane ran up to the officers, waving a piece of paper. Whoa, hold on! We have a contract right here to do this job! The officer took the paper and read it. Great. This'll make... Prosecuting you for murder a lot easier. He then motioned for the other officers to begin handcuffing and pistol-whipping the crew of the Edgelord. <laughs> Jane, inside of Waterloop's body, could take a much greater beating than Waterloop could in hers. Still barely conscious, she said, We had a contract. We're mercenaries. And you'll have your day in court. To explain how that somehow makes murder okay, the officer said flatly. The crew were swiftly prosecuted and jailed for their crimes. It didn't even occur to Waterloop until his sentencing how much worse his life was about to become. Due to being trapped in a woman's body, Waterloop was sentenced to life in prison at the women's penal colony on Osmatoria. Osmatoria is a hot, humid planet covered mostly in jungle. The penal colony was originally conceived as cheap labor for mining operations on the untamed planet, but since the native flora and fauna were just as deadly to prison guards as prisoners, the planet was now mostly just a dumping ground where prisoners could be disappeared without need for a proper death sentence. The colony was composed of a collection of old brick structures, but no cells were assigned to prisoners. Prisoners could claim whatever rooms or buildings they wanted, if they could hold it. At first, he figured it would be about the same as a men's prison. His plan was to arrive, find the Alpha, and assert his dominance. But he gave up on that as soon as he saw how insanely jacked the women on Osmatoria were. He wasn't even sure if he could take them in his own body. I mean, 
I'm going to check immediately after writing this sentence, but if beefcake mommy is a thing, that term definitely applies to the women of Osmotoria. Okay, yeah, I just checked, and unfortunately there are not a lot of hits for Beefcake Mommy on Google. I really expected that to awaken something in me, but I'll have to settle for the Google search results of my mind. <laughs> yeah. The biggest, baddest, beefcake mommiest of them all was called Mother May. She'd been put away 30-some years ago for the double homicide of her son and husband as part of a power grab to take over her husband's mafia family. Somehow, she'd managed to retain control over family activities despite being stuck on Osmotoria, and somehow she was able to use those connections to continue living lavishly at the penal colony. And somehow, she knew Wadaloupe's true identity. It was Wadaloupe's second day on Osmotoria when two of Mother May's goons found him. At this point, Wadaloupe had gotten pretty used to getting the shit kicked out of him, so he didn't try to resist when the goons dragged him to Mother May's private residence on the outskirts of the colony. Mother May lived in an old colonial governor's palace. Wadaloupe was dragged to the east turret where May had her reading room. The formidable woman sat at a wooden desk in front of a window with a gorgeous view overlooking the colony. The noonday sun hung high in the clear blue sky. And from here the emerald green jungle almost didn't look like a death trap. Wadaloupe was tossed unceremoniously onto the floor before Mother May. Seven years is a long time to wait on a delivery. But now you're here, she said as she put out her cigar. I'll be expecting results. To be continued. Ooh. <laughs> I wonder where the rest of the dudes right. went. To prison. <laughs> prison, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't all go to women's prison. Nah, I imagine most <laughs> of them didn't. I wonder what happened to Ronnie. Ronnie could probably get out. Oh, I have a whole thing I'm going to do here. Okay, I'm going to write this down right now. <laughs> that Please is probably on. what I was also thinking. So, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, go ahead and not guess what I thought he was going to do, but I'll just see if when you write it in your story if that was what I thought. But yeah, things moved kind of fast there at the end. A little um, bit, yeah. A little bit, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I didn't want to write the whole it next was a pretty part fun ride. for you. What's that? There was one thing that I predicted that would happen um, that actually happened. What's that? I'm quite happy about that. Ronnie's real body dying. Yeah. Yeah. Because like right at the end of the Jared's episode, I wrote on my uh, I wrote on my piece of paper in front of me like if Ronnie's real body real body dies, X will happen. I'm not gonna say what X is, <laughs> um, but oh, yeah, cause... I'm happy that his real body died, as per my guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't really see any way for the body to survive since it was not functional. Like he couldn't eat or drink. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to have a really long bit where Wadaloupe was, like, talking about, like, oh, yeah, I've had, like, six meals since we came out of the wormhole. <laughs> and Ronnie wondering, like, can someone get me on, like, an IV drip or something? Like, <laughs> but that was hard to work into the dialogue without completely throwing off the pace of the story. Yeah. I see now what you mean by you hated my story, so you completely changed it, though. <laughs> what? So. I mean, I hated the the fact that there were like a million characters. Yeah, I mean, so. that's not how you put it, yeah. though. You said you hated my story, so you completely changed it. 
<laughs> I was playing a video game when I said that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Todd, you gotta be a little bit more diplomatic. <laughs> I can't just say that. I did, but it was like absentmindedly. But I think when I said it, I was like, oh, it sounded bad, but he knows what I meant. He did not uh, know what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> you meant that you hated my story, so he completely changed it. <laughs> Later that night, Jerry went to bed crying. I. <laughs> oh, did you know, Todd? Come on. What are you doing? Well, uh, the only thing I really changed was the expectations here, which was... <laughs> the, I, the, the apparent goals of the crew, yeah. <laughs> well, the crew, the, the only goal, and it said at the beginning, was to return to their original bodies, right? Yeah. But I was like, do the job, get gas money, find Glenn, Glenn will fix it up, hopefully, because Waterloop's an idiot. But it's part two. But it's part two, so yeah, that didn't happen. But I was also thinking about like, you know, like playing WoW or something, where it felt very <laughs> much like Mr. Jonas was just a quest giver at a at a city, and like they picked up a quest to kill five battleships, and I'm like, you can't just you can't just do that. Like I was like, they they murdered a bunch of people. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. So they thought being a mercenary meant they could just kill people whenever they wanted. I guess. <laughs> guess so, yeah. That's what it well, sounded like in Jared's story. They yeah. found a guy who was like, I got a job for you. It's go murder all these people. And they were like, yeah, yeah. we can do that. Fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's what we normally do. Yeah. It it only works if you have a job from a government. What are you doing? <laughs> you can't just take a job from Joe Schmo. Apparently, seven years later, there are laws in space. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, overall, pretty fun. I, I enjoyed the uh, the bit about having body parts that you, like, you fucking forget about. <laughs> now, I've run into that problem as well. Now, after I first got my tattoo, it'd be like, oh, fuck, I've got a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you know, I, I'd forget that I, I'd completely forget that I had a tattoo until I took, like, a shirt off. And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, I do have a tattoo. I have no tattoos that I'm aware of, so. <laughs> you took a bit right in your asshole. You, you have might no idea. Would want to take Maybe. a take a second one day to check if you've got a tramp stamp? Nah, nah. Look, what happens yeah. in university stays in university. I mean, I don't know if the if the whole point of Captain's Log is just to do a flashback without doing a flashback, but that's what I used it for. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it basically is. Pretty much. Or to explain something that you didn't have the time or budget to film. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know. At least yeah, in context of Star Trek, which is the only thing I've seen a captain's log on, other than Futurama, which is just a parody of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what I was... I, I almost did like a... Like a star day, boobs day, spurge six thirty five. Yeah, no, I noticed that when you were doing that part, you did the William Shatner stereotype, yeah. like <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it's and, been a couple of years since I've heard from him, but last I heard from him, he I was getting the impression that he's kind of unlikable. Yeah, he's just an angry old fuck now, but pretty genuinely unlikable person, I think. What? Yeah. William Shatner? Yeah. Unfortunate, really? but true. Like, he's in a constant war of words with um guy that plays Sulu. George Takei? George Takei. 
Yeah, yeah, that was the last thing I heard about him. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was the last time I, I heard about him, was uh, with the Takei thing, because he was at the height of his popularity, which uh, then he had some Me Too stuff go on. Yeah, well, you know. George Takei is gay. Yeah. Get Me Too, anybody? Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is patently false. You can't harass men. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of wacky world are we living in here? Do a quick Hello, Google officers. search on Kevin Spacey. Officers, I'm rich and white. I I don't I believe you're making a mistake here that you will regret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> uh, instead of saying white, I was like, they're human like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was probably my favorite part. The introduction of the police <laughs> and how they thought they were going to be fine because they said they were human. Yeah. <laughs> Officer, please, we're, we're human. Yeah. Did you see them? They were creepy-looking aliens. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the, uh, the fucking J-turn you did at the very end there, where they just all went to fucking jail... Has uh, totally thrown me for a loop, and I'm going to have to do something to get them back on track to getting their <laughs> bodies back. But um, Well, I assume this is still part of the track, because otherwise you're going to have to write a whole three-part story on your own. But I understand if upon <laughs> immediately hearing it, you don't know what to do next. But This, I, this I, series I of you. episodes is now going to be called the uh, Star Wars sequels. Where none of them are connected to the others, and they don't make any particular sense when smushed together. <laughs> what are you talking? I did exactly what you said you were going to do in the last story. They, they got a job. Yeah, send and they them were to go jail, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did the jail. Do you want to do? Oh. What did you think they were going to? What did you think was going to happen right now, um, or do you want to save that till part three? Yeah, we should probably save that till part three. Because <laughs> you're not going to have any fucking idea what's going to happen in my part. Yeah. Exactly. It's Maybe. already thrown off, apparently. <laughs> I can still make it work. I got this. I believe so. I. Yeah. No, they're... I have a question, I mean, though. I don't think I have to go through and say, look, I added a couple of villains. <laughs> So when we when we write stories for each other, right? Um, you should always have like an idea of like where if you continued it, where it would go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like when you're writing a thing, you're not just writing something that's like a dead end. So right, yeah. um I think at the end of the part three, let's all say where we thought the story was gonna go as well. Like where we intended Don't I we usually do that? Was. We usually do, yeah. but some of us occasionally go, I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> that does happen, um, but uh, but usually this me. time I don't believe it will. <laughs> this time I don't believe it will happen. Allegedly, since yeah. you have very strong feelings about the fact that I sent all of them to jail. No, I don't. I don't have particularly <laughs> strong feelings about it. I just thought it was funny that you straight up said you didn't like my story, that so you completely changed it, and then I speak. Yes, I and I am aware that that was not what you intended to say, but I'm harping on it because it's funny that you it said it. It is literally what I said, though. And <laughs> it I is literally this. what you said, and it's funny to me <laughs> that you did. 
Yeah, I, I I think I already clarified the first time, but I said that uh, originally, uh, well, upon hearing the story the first time, it didn't occur to me. But when yeah. I looked at it a second time, I was like, holy shit, this, this whole story is just introducing like 15 characters. Yeah. Like, as far as I could tell, that was... That was the only thing that happened. They they introduced like fifteen characters and established and a, a goal, you know. Established a goal, yeah, and got a and got a job, and yeah. and of course I was I was working towards that. I I hated having to go through and decide like who I thought the main character was and what characters, because a lot of the characters I think like. Uh, Roe and Wilkes, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had they're... names and they seemed funny. I liked yeah. that they were just punching themselves but in the face. Were... That was the extent of those characters, though, in my head. Like the the main characters were Ronnie, Waddaloupe, and Jane. Like that yeah. was yeah. that was who I saw as the main characters. So you at least got that that right, you know. At least, <laughs> at least. <laughs> But, like, I got thrown off because Roe and Wilkes were so instantly developed and likable. Like, they were a stereotype, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah, and, I, and that was so well-developed, like, instantly for me. Which is yeah. the whole point of using um, archetypes and yeah. stereotypes. Yeah. And so. it's not a bad yeah, dude, thing. Dude, you should have wrote a story about them, then. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> completely <laughs> change everything, yeah. In a different way. <laughs> just about these two guys, like, all right, I gotta go find my new body. Yeah. <laughs> so even though they were as oh man, I'm gonna as... take the most dangerous missions to fuck your body up while it's causing himself <laughs> immense pain. Exactly. They don't even know if they're gonna get back. That was yeah, like the whole yeah. thing. Jane's like, hey, stop biting my nails, as if she's gonna get back into her body tomorrow. Yeah, that, like was, tomorrow. that was a good touch, I thought. Yeah. They don't know when they're gonna get back. They don't even know if they can, but they're all instantly just getting petty revenge on each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I liked so I, I liked the whole premise and I kind of yeah. understood that a lot of the named characters were not actually main characters. So it's funny thinking up really dumb names to me. Like Waddaloop and then very, very mundane names to stick in the middle of that, like Jane. Yeah. I mean my head went G. I. Jane. Oh I yeah. I I was like my my mind was just thinking generic woman's name. I hope I really captured this generic white generic woman's miss. name. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Stop biting my nails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was another good bit, you know, the stop biting my nails then she looks at hers and they're perfectly manicured and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Why would you start doing that now? He's not normally this stressed. That was I, I put a little bit of effort into uh developing characters and plot through means other than dialogue in the story. Like mm -hmm. I went back and I found spaces where I was like, there could be some action here. Yeah. And so like Adam the the whole scene of forgetting that he had uh, a certain chesticle body part. Like that <laughs> 
That yeah. wasn't in there. Originally, it was just a straight conversation, like I was writing yeah. a screenplay. But then I was like, hold on, I can I can put jokes here. I can say boobs. And I, I can say boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I can put jokes here and actually develop character and give away plot so that a character doesn't have to just say, like, I yeah. can't believe I'm in a woman's body. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. hate having boobs. You know? <laughs> Show, don't tell. Yeah, so. show them tits, don't tell. I was, I was trying to show the tits rather than talk about the tits too much. You did a good job. That's a good point, Adam. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that it all worked out and that uh, I clarified the fact that I don't... I didn't hate your story, Jared. I, I just uh, said that I did. Yeah, no, no. I I I understood that from the beginning and I immediately decided that I was going to bring it up during the recording cuz it's funny. <laughs> uh, well, listeners at home, I hope you didn't hate this story. And if you didn't hate it, I did. If you, <laughs> well, if you didn't hate it, then make sure to uh rate and review positively if you hated it then just just let it go man and make sure to tune in next week for when adam will conclude this story of vaguely star trek ish (laughs) sci-fi oh is this star trek no no it it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't but but now it is (laughs) boldly shooting when man has not shot before his load into a supernova. <laughs> oh, bruh. That's like the most manly thing I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.